1: work in the gym Now he's bringing that intelligent perspective That takes you above the rim From the PG saw the whole court Now he plays the sideline to observe and report Bringing nothing but fresh interviews While discussing high school, college, and NBA news So So sit back and listen, you will never forget Because the Off The Glass podcast is coming up next So sit back and listen, you will never forget Because the Off The Glass podcast is coming up next So sit back and listen, you will never forget Because the Off The Glass podcast is coming up next Welcome to the Off the Glass podcast, bringing a fresh, intelligent, thought-provoking perspective to the game of basketball. I'm your host Z, fan of no team, but a lover of basketball. Welcome to the show today. I'm excited. I'm glad to be back. As I stated, those who follow me on Instagram was under the weather for for some reason the last few years here in Chicago. Whenever the weather changed. So it got extremely, not extremely cold, but it got really cold for us the first time this season. And I just lost my voice. I had like this upper respiratory infection, I guess. But I'm back. I feel much better. My voice is pretty much back. And then uh, when I was trying to record this past weekend, it's like life happens. So just in the dead of winter, like it seems to happen, my furnace went out. So had to kind of deal with life issues. But The NBA don't stop, a lot of exciting storylines. It's been a great and exciting season. So today I wanted to cover Western Conference and Eastern Conference, we're gonna kind of bounce around. And of course, I got another edition on Speak On It. So we're gonna talk about one particular team that's been in the headlines a lot lately and I'm gonna kind of really address it from a different perspective, I'm really going in on them. So uh, stay tuned for that towards the end of the show. But without further ado, I'm going to start with the Western Conference. And as we stand now, it's a big mumble jumbo of teams, um, all separated by a few games of, uh, apart. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of this is going to shake out going forward. Um, is, is certain teams like Sacramento, are they for real? You know, as it stands right now, even looking at the standings, the, the Houston Rockets, who were one game from the finals, they currently are out of the playoff picture sitting 14th right now. But one of the surprises this season, we'll get to Houston in a second, has been the Sacramento Kings. They currently see it ninth in the West. Uh, they're 6-4 and four over their last 10 games. They got a, a win last night, a road win. They beat the Chicago Bulls. And even though the Bulls, we know, is not a great team right now dealing with their own drama, you know, a young team like Sacramento, for them to go on the road – don't take a night off against a team that's been struggling, who just came off their worst loss in franchise history, and for them to get a win, and a wire-to-wire win, a very dominant win, when they ended up um, opening it up at the end, uh, was impressive. And you know, this season for them has been nothing but stepping stones as they continue to build towards some towards the future. Uh, the the story, been all way, already been documented, of course, is second-year point guard De'Aaron Fox. Somebody I was extremely high on coming out of Kentucky. And it might sound like a simple cliche, but I love his aggression. I love how he played hard. I love how in the tournament he, you know, he's, it's almost like he circled that game on the calendar. And they was like, okay, Alonzo Ball, you're supposed to be the second best play, second pick. You're supposed to be better than me. I'm going to go out here and show you that you're not better than me. And not only did they win that game, but he dominated that that matchup, having 30-some points. Lonzo looked like he wanted no parts of it at all. The stats is gonna say I think, cause I remember talking about this, that he finished with like 10 or 12 points. But if you watch that, he got like six of them at like towards the end when it really didn't matter. So uh, I was just impressed, and I was one of those people that was saying not necessarily that the Lakers should take him, you know, cause the Lakers had to do what they felt, you know, fit their franchise and what they thought going on forward. And I'm high on Alonzo. I love his IQ. I love his passing. Uh, I think he has the potential to be a really great defender in this league for a while, and he's part of the reason why the Lakers are even having their success recently right now too. But with Fox, I just love how hard he played. You know, the knock, of course, was the shooting. But he just seemed like the type of player, like he was going to work on that. And if you're willing to work on your shooting like that, I'm not that concerned personally going forward because if you have a willingness to want to get better and improve your game, we can work on shooting. I mean, just look at Kawhi Leonard, for example. He wasn't a shooter at all when he came in, and he got with an organization like San Antonio, who, of course, is known for their player development. Sacramento, not so much. You know, they've been a dumpster fire the last uh, several years up to this season. But Fox is currently averaging 18 points and 7.5 assists. He's only turning the ball over three times, so a nice assist-to-turnover ratio. He's shooting 47% from the field and 41% from three. So we're over 20 some games now, so we have a nice sample size. And barring some type of fatigue, he might not shoot close to 41%, but I find it hard to believe that he doesn't shoot in the high 30s. And for him, with his speed and his ability to penetrate to the basket, that's going to cause all kinds of problems for opposing teams. You know, they're currently high in pace right now. And they're, I want to say, they're second in pace. So they're using his speed to get out in transition, get some easy looks. Cauley Stein has played well for them. Bagley has played well as of late. Um, even though they had the controversy with the one reporter, don't really know all the particulars, but somehow a story about the front office and Jaeger getting into it because they didn't feel like he was playing the young players enough, and you know they're just trying to reach this balance. And even with all that going on. Jaeger has the team playing well. Shumpert has done well. Harry Giles has done well. The guy who's really coming to his own this season, is fifth-year player, he's in his fifth year now, is Buddy Hill. His scoring is up five points. His percentages, when I looked at the numbers, are pretty much the same across the board. His effective shooting percentage, though, is better this year. He's shooting almost 56% from the field, and he's getting up about five more shot attempts. So, with the confidence of him playing well, shooting the ball, with Fox right there doing well, you know, the the, the Kings are poised to make the playoffs. The question is going to be, <coughs> excuse me, is whether they can keep this up. Can they maintain this kind of level of play all the way to till the, till the end of the season or will one of these other teams kind of knock them off? But after watching that game against the Bulls like, like that last night, excuse me, a classic trap game for a young team. I was impressed. So I'm buying in on the Kings. I think they make that playoff seed this year, and, I, uh, and they make the eighth spot. And, you know, right now Dallas is 7 who who's been playing well behind the sensational play of Luka Doncic, who, again, I can't stress enough, I would have took number one. I would have took him number two, man. I would have loved to see him with his IQ, with his level of play, the way he's been playing the step-back three, which he's already mastered. To pair him with De'Aaron Fox, man, I thought would have been scary. You already had enough young bigs, and that's not a shot at Bagley. I think Bagley has the potential to be an all-star in this league. But you had Scalabissier, you had Collie Stein, you had Giles. Why not let them grow into their own? You put a you pair Luca, who's playing one through four for the Mavs. He could play off the ball. He's playing point. I mean, just doing everything for them right now and has them in, like I said, in the 7th seed and in the hunt for a playoff position. Uh, I just don't know how it's going to maintain with them as far as injuries going forward. Um, A lot of these teams are all one injury away from everything crashing down. You know, we just saw that with the Denver Nuggets, who um, were currently at the time when I was really getting ready to record, was first in the West, and they've been playing well all season. But then Millsap goes down. I want to say he has a broken toe in his foot. He's going to be out for several weeks. Um, who just went down with the hip? I'm blanking. Gary Harris, again, he's hurt. He's going to be out a few weeks with the hip. You already was missing Will Barton. So that was just a huge blow to their teenage playing well. Millsap was coming off being Western Conference Player of the Week, so he was playing well. Jokic is quietly having – Uh, Even though he's not that good on defense, he's been much better this year. That's been the improvement for Denver this year was the defense stepping forward. He's been an MVP candidate. But it just shows you my original point, how the injuries can really, really hamper a team and how everything can kind of come crashing down for a lot of teams. Without further ado, we're going to get right to the Rockets. I I know I talked about the Rockets this year, talked about the Mello situation, Talked about them underachieving in one of my previous podcasts with the Wizards. And, again, while I'm talking, you can head over to Spreaker.com. It's the host website. It's a great, great, great website. I can't stress it enough. I know other people listen on other platforms. But go back there and check some of my past episodes. A lot of great content, man. And I know a lot of people might be coming new to the show, so you might want to kind of go back and see what I've talked about. Just go back. You know, I have an episode – dedicated to a young man who passed away during a game last year named Zeke Upshaw. They actually just retired his jersey here at the high school he played at in Chicago, so deal one dealing with the health of the heart, did one with WNBA, future Hall of Famer, one of the best to come out of our city, Chicago, Cappy Dexter. So all kinds of great content over there. Make sure to check it out. But Houston is currently 14th. And it's just hard to believe that a team that was literally one game from the NBA Finals this year has taken this many steps backwards. And we already know about the Carmelo saga. We're not going to beat a dead horse with that. They're currently ninth in offense. And, but the interesting thing, they're 29th in pace. So they're not even playing as fast as they've played in the past and what Mike, Mike D'Antoni is known for. The the There's no, no secret. It's the defense. Um, they're currently 25th in defensive rating. D'Antonio, D'Antonio was quick to point out in interviews that by the end of the season last year, they was actually already up all the way up to fourth. And with the switching style of defense that really worked for them, they kind of made a, a slow progression to it during the season. So they didn't just throw it out. They really worked on this. But, you know, I really have this theory in basketball. And sometimes and you see it going on um, with a team even like in Houston. You know, some teams are injuries I just stated away from. Everything come crashing down. And what I mean by that is if your starters go out, that means that your bench guys have to play more minutes. And they're on your bench for a reason. It's not knocking anybody. This is just facts. We even saw this with Golden State. When Steph goes down, that means you play more of Quinn Cook, more of Alphonso McKinney, more – Sean Livingston, even though Sean Livingston is a great player, he's a vet, he's getting older. So everybody's minutes bumps up. So you're playing guys more minutes than you want to, and that's what's going on in Houston right now. I looked at their roster. I mean, you're getting a, they have really basically no bench. Go look at their bench. You're getting a lot of minutes from James Ennis. He's okay. Gerald Green, real streaky. Uh, Marquise Chris. Michael Carter-Williams is on the bench. And the main issue has been, I mean, James Harden's numbers are still there. He's still averaging 30. He's still getting assists. He's still playing well. Uh, Tucker has fell off recently. And, again, that was another thing. When you lose two players like Ariza and Bamute, it shifts everybody's roles. And, again, those guys were getting minutes that other guys like Gerald Green, even though he was signed later, wasn't getting a lot of those minutes like that. He was getting minutes, but when you have a Ariza getting the bulk of the minutes at the small forward, it kind of levels everything out. Now you lose a Ariza, you lose a Munte, and as I stated, everybody moves up. Then you factor in the fact that Eric Gordon has really struggled. All his numbers are down across the board. His shooting percentage, his three-point percentage, his scoring, everything's down. He has not played well. And then CP3. I respect Chris Paul. I think he's one of the best point guards to ever play the game. I argue all the time I think he's the best point guard of this generation, but he's in year 14. He's in year 14. And we knew when he signed that contract it was going to be a bad deal, but I didn't think it was going to happen this quick. His numbers are down as well across the board. Um the shooting numbers are down. The field goal percentage is down. The three-point percentage is down. The, the assists are the same. I could pull it out of my mental. It was like 7.9, same as last year. Even his free throw attempts. Now, he's somebody that never really got to the line a lot. I mean, the most he got to the line, I want to say, it was his rookie year. It was like seven, maybe eight times. But he's been around that five to four attempt range. Now when you see two, that means he could be doing everything from shooting uh, the technical fouls for illegal defense or something. That, that means he's not really getting to the basket anymore. We know he lives in the mid-range. And, again, I'm not saying that was always his game. But when a lot of players decline, they stop getting to the free throw line. And I don't know how the Rockets climb out of this. Because I do believe that Harden is good enough, and if Chris Paul can still muster some out the tank, that if they get to the playoffs, I wouldn't necessarily want to play against them in the first round. Um, Capella's been pretty, pretty solid. I thought he played a little bit better last year, but again, chemistry is everything, man. And they wasn't going to resign the reason. I've covered that many times. He signed for too much money um, in Phoenix and we we forget he already has his championship playing with the Lakers for, for him. he He's trying to get his money. So there's nothing wrong with that. But the Bob Mute thing to let him go like that, I thought was interesting. So now you have more people playing minutes, man. And, I'm not taking a hot take. I just really believe. Looking at them now, I don't think the Rockets make the playoffs this year. I really don't. I don't. I don't. I just don't see enough to see how it can happen to climb out of the hole when you have too many other teams around them that's playing well. I think the same team that's in that boat is the Utah Jazz. They're currently 13th. They're five and five in their last ten games. They're 21 in offensive efficiency deficiency. They're 12th. I'm sorry, not deficiency efficiency, and their 12th and defensive efficiency as well. Only thing about them, if you're a Jazz fan, you want to hang your hat on, you can say, hey, we've played the second-hardest schedule up to this point. But, again, a lot of nice players. And then you have one dynamic player who's in year two whose play, let's just been, be honest, has been up and down. Now, that's not mean we're going to give up on Mitchell. I just think it's normal. He's in year two. He's still a young guy. He's a young player. He did so well last year. I mean, he played way past his expectations. People thought he was going to be good. But, I mean, we would call him the next D-Wade. That all still may may be true. But, I mean, he was battling out with Simmons for rookie player of the year, rookie of the year, honest. But he struggled this year, let's just be honest. And they rely on him too much to be dynamic. Um, They don't have a lot of great offense. You know, they have to really run a lot of sets to get points. Favors has not been consistent this year. The defense has taken a step back. They were playing elite-level defense. Grobert has not looked the same. Um, They recently traded for Corver, so that's kind of helped the morale. They've gotten some wins. Like I said, they've played better as of late, but with the teams being so close together in the West and teams playing well, I don't know if they have enough as well to make it to the playoffs. I think they fall out. I don't think Utah makes the playoffs either. I just think with the way Sacramento's playing, I could kind of see them doing that. I think the Timberwolves can possibly compete as well. I'm going to get to them in a second. And another team, I mean, San Antonio, they they don't play great defense, you know. Um, the Jazz, but let me wrap on them real quick before I get to San Antonio. Not, it's just really amazing to me because I think they're a lot like even with Boston. I think Boston has a lot of talent. We think it's a far-gone conclusion they're going to play in the East, and they actually played better last night because they had some guys out due to injury. But Boston suffers from the same issues at times. As dynamic as Kyrie Irving is, they struggle to score the ball. It puts a lot of pressure on Kyrie to go and be dynamic, get a lot of buckets, be the focal point. Haywood, not his fault, Gruesome injury. Late surgery back in April. He can't get past people. I mean, he's had a couple great games, but – they struggle offensively as well, so it's one of those things when you look at guys, you know, you have a lot of guys on the Celtics, not so much on the Jazz, but that think they're better than what they are. When actuality, you really flourish in a in a role, and it just shows you to appreciate how great the great players in in the league are, the the LeBron James, the Kevin Durant, the Steph Curry's, the James Hardens, the Anthony Davids, the Giannis Kapumpos, the Joel Embiid is kind of coming for that spot. Uh Towns has played well. So it just shows you when you're talking about franchise superstar type players, the difference between a Kyrie Irving and even a, a Terry Rozier, you know. So I don't think Utah makes the playoffs either. Um, switching gears to the Timberwolves, they could potentially get right there because Cat has stepped his play up. He's averaging 24 points, 11, 11 rebounds in the last 10 games. His uh, field goal attempts has gone through the roof. It's been well documented, man. Salute to Derrick Rose, man, playing a great season, averaging 18 points. He's shooting 48% from the field. The stunning thing is he's shooting 40 47% from three. Now, you would think he's going to regress to the mean a little bit. But, again, even at this clip, if he comes back to 35%, that's still great shooting percentage. That's still great numbers from three. So, Covington has been a much better defender than Butler. And sometimes, man, you know, you got to clean the stink out of the locker room, clear the air. You know, that whole Butler situation was just like a bad fart. You know, you ever walk in a room and somebody just passed gas, and then it just seems to linger. You just don't want to leave. You might spray some air freshener, but then you can kind of still smell it a little bit. That's what the whole Jimmy Butler saga is. So now that they sprayed the new the air freshener, they got the fans going, the door. All that's blown out. People are back to normal. Again, it's shaping up to look like this Wiggins contract is going to be one of the worst on the books. He's been inconsistent. He's been up and down. Uh, Sarge has been solid for them coming over from Philly uh, fibado has got them playing well they're 6-4, and four, currently twelve. but again, they're only like one or two games out of that spot as well there's a bunch of teams, I can't state this enough um, stacked on top of each other here in the uh, Western Conference fi- uh, standings so if I look at it now the Mavericks are sitting 8th uh, the Timberwolves are only 3 games back behind them the Kings are 1 game back behind uh, the Mavericks, and then six through eight is really Grizzlies, Trailblazers, and Mavericks, who are all with 11 losses. So, again, we're going to see how this shakes out. That brings me to my next team, the San Antonio Spurs. Man, you hate to go against Greg Popovich, man, in that organization. A lot of long-term success. They've earned the benefit of the doubt. But, I mean, they have some serious, serious flaws. and with Ginobili retiring, Parker moving on to Charlotte, you lose that real solid culture. You trade for DeRozan, even though Kawhi didn't play, play last year. You lose, and if I didn't mention Kawhi in that top 10, forgive me, he's definitely um, in the top three, top four. I would say top three, in my opinion, right now. Top Nah, top four, because i say it's still LeBron Durant. I'm going to put Steph ahead of him. But anyway, don't want to get sidetracked. You trade for DeRozan. All-NBA, all-star, but not a Kawhi Leonard. Defense has never really been his strong suit. You already have Aldridge, who's coming off all-NBA, but his defense is terrible. And then the big injury of the season, I think, so far, has been the Devontae Murray situation. I think that injury has had the most impact on any team. I think his injury to the Spurs and what he meant to them defensively, and he was just scratching the surface as he made all-NBA defense last season on his potential. So what was going on is he covered up for a lot of mistakes and a lot of lack of foot speed and lateral movement that Aldridge doesn't have uh when he will come out on a pick and roll. He was able to fight over the top. He was able to trail to play on the guard and contest shots, even block shots. He was able with his long arms to put pressure on passes, play the passing lanes, make it eat hard for teams to initiate their offense. So it's like now you cut the head off the snake, the snake just kind of wanders around with no, no direction, no purpose. And that's what it looks like from San Antonio a lot of times, a lot of nights on, on defense. You know, they can score and go back and forth. I mean, they got a lot of high-scoring games, but they can't get stops. The other night when they were playing the Lakers, they could not get any stops. They was just like a, a a a bad wound that no matter how much you patch it up, it just keeps bleeding. You know, no no matter no matter how many holes you plug in the boat, it's another leak. They just can't get stops. And if you can't get stops when the race is this close, I don't know how you you jump up over some of these teams, like I mentioned. I mean, the Grizzlies this year are hanging their hat on defense. So unless they suffer a major injury to either Gasol or Conley, I don't see the Spurs catching them. Um, Even if the Trailblazers fall out, I still don't put the Spurs over the Timberwolves. So I I don't know. It's going to be close, but as we stand right now, I'm going to go on the limb. I'm going to say the Spurs, the Jazz, and the Rockets, three playoff teams, do not make the playoffs. And I think the Lakers and the Grizzlies, And I think the Mavericks or the Kings are going to take those last spots right there. And speaking of the Grizzlies, they've kind of come back to earth a little bit. The schedule got tougher. That was one of the things I pointed out with their early success. They have been playing well. Great defense. They're currently 6th in the uh, the West right now. They are 4-6 and in the last 10 games. The rookie Jaron Jackson Jr., if you haven't been able to watch him, man, he's only 19. He's making a lot of mistakes. You know, he's filing a lot. But even his instincts on defense, the way he reads plays, plays angles. Memphis has them a really great player. And the fact that Conley and Gasol are back playing at high levels, Gasol looks like the defensive player of the year right now, another guy that it proves. Defense is mainly about effort, understanding, positioning, and angles. And if you can add some elite athleticism, like how we measure athleticism as far as long arms, running and jumping, then you get a Kawhi Leonard. Then you get a Paul George who's played well for Oklahoma City um, this year. I know it has been a lot of debate. Is he an MVP candidate? I wouldn't go as far as say he's the MVP. He's played well. Their defense is to the top right now. They're currently tied for second or first with Golden State. Westbrook has played solid. Their defense has been well. But back to Memphis. You know, you get a player like Jackson who can extend the career and the minutes and the time of Gasol and Conley in Memphis, and also you have your next potential superstar. You know, Memphis is a small market. You might not create or attract a lot of big-time free agents like that. You just might not. So to be able to draft somebody like a Jackson, if you're able to maintain and keep a Conley, maybe they re-sign, and a Gasol – the sky's the limit. I think they're for real. Barring some kind of injury, I think Memphis makes the playoffs. And then that brings me to my last team in the West, the Los Angeles Lakers. They're currently fifth. They won last night as uh, they beat the Miami Heat in Dwayne Wade's last game at Staples this is his last game, competing against his best friend, ex-teammate LeBron James. They held on to win by three of the Lakers. They're currently seven and three in the last ten. Um, Part of it for them a little bit, as I kept stating early and earlier in my podcast throughout this whole season, their schedule was much harder than people anticipated. So they had to kind of weather the storm, which they did. LeBron is an MVP candidate right now. He's been playing well. Alonzo has been playing well. Um, Hart has been inserted into the starting lineup a little bit more. He's getting definitely more minutes. He's getting starter-like minutes over KCP. Kuzma's been fantastic. By them signing Chandler and McGee, having another big, he's been able to play more on the wing, been able to space the court. I mean, not space the court, but not getting lost on those matchups, playing bigs because LeBron, even though he might play small ball five on offense, he's not going to play it on defense. So I think the Lakers, as I stated before, they get to the playoffs. Now, I'm not going to say they win the West and they make it to the finals and all that. I don't even think they make it to the Western Conference finals. I think they're one year away. No, they should not trade for Bradley, Bill, or anybody else. Just remain patient, stand packed. And um, I think as long as they do that, they'll be just fine. I think they are right where they need to be. Um, I don't see them finishing probably no higher than fourth. More than likely, they're going to finish fifth and where they are right now in the standing. So we're going to pause, take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to talk about the East. And then, of course, we're going to do our latest segment of Speak on it. Welcome back to the show. As I stayed on the other side of the break, we're going to cover the Eastern Conference now. But before I jump into the Eastern Conference, I kind of want to talk about MVP real quick. To me, there's been a lot of guys playing well this year. Off the top of my head, Kimball Walker is having a great season for Charlotte. He's got them in the playoff picture. Uh, Marcus Saul in Memphis has played well. Paul George in Oklahoma City has played well. Even though his recent comments again from Philly, um, you know, a little disturbing at this point since the trade. But Joel Embiid has played like an MVP as well. But to me, the three clear-cut favorites right now, I don't even think it's close, is Giannis, Kawhi, and LeBron. And LeBron is always, until the day he retires, or just seems to just fall off a cliff, which it doesn't seem like he's going to be slowing down in year 15 anytime soon. It's always going to be an MVP candidate. But this year, I think it's on ultimately come down between Kawhi Leonard and Giannis and history tells us if Kawhi is able to get Toronto to the number one seed in the East again after last year and then make it to the finals I don't see how he doesn't win the award Giannis and Kawhi you can make compelling arguments for both and I agree with both um personally right now I give the edge to Kawhi and it's simply off of to me really the three-point shooting. I know it's not fair because Giannis is not shooting him. he's barely shooting 12%. Kawhi shooting 38. If we just go through the stats real quick, Giannis is averaging 26 a game. Kawhi is averaging 26 a game. Giannis is getting more rebounds; he's averaging 13 a game. He's right up there with the league leaders. Kawhi's is getting you eight rebounds a game. Giannis is getting you more assists; he's getting six. Kawhi is getting three. Um, LeBron is at 28 points seven assists seven rebounds he's shooting 52 percent from the field 37 from from three so great stats all around I will give the edge to Kawhi simply on the jump shot and the fact that they have the better record even though Milwaukee just got a big win against them the other night in Toronto great team win it was a well-played game for the most part Lowry really struggled I don't think he had a field goal in the game um, so that definitely hurt Toronto. Uh, he was outplayed in that contest, in my opinion, by Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon had a really great game. Could have scored more. He missed some bunnies, but he kept getting to the basket. He kept putting pressure on the defense. Um, the way that they're able to space the floor, I mean, this is just going to be a theme. It's going to be a repetitive theme. We keep saying this. The effect that Coach Bud has had there with the offense and the spacing and the way they moved the ball. They was able to move the ball around a lot down the stretch. uh, Brogdon got an open three in uh, two separate occasions. And then Giannis was able to go backdoor on a well-designed out-of-bounds play uh, to dunk it to kind of finish them off. So it was a well-played game. Really big game from Milwaukee. Beat Boston in seven games. Do they have enough talent to match up against Toronto in seven games? Because we know the playoffs is a different animal than a Sunday night in Toronto, even though they played well. And um, it's a very encouraging sign. Uh, it's going to be a fight down the stretch to see who's going to take the East. I'll put it like this. If Milwaukee is able to catch Toronto a little bit, it's going to be a close vote. I could see Giannis getting uh, the MVP, but I still think he's kind of a year away. And with the story of Kawhi coming back, looking on 100%, looking like a superstar, looking like one of the best players in the league, looking like an elite uh, player, The fact that he's playing like that and they have the best record, I really feel like in this, at this day and time, at this point, he's in the catbird seat to win the MVP, and it's basically his to lose. Um, Interesting enough, though, about Kawhi, and we'll just transition right now to the East and speak about Toronto. It's no secret about how they constructed. It's really Kawhi, one superstar. Lowry's an all-star and then a bunch of world players and history tells us that you need at least two superstars in the NBA to win a championship. There's only really been one team that pulled this off. That was the Isaiah Thomas-led Detroit Pistons, and then, of course, the team with Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, Tayshaun Prince for Detroit. But other than that, you need at least one more superstar. And even with all the success, you know, it still comes down to whether he's going to stay or possibly go to to L.A. to join the Clippers because I don't think he has any desire of joining uh, LeBron in L.A. And, you know, the KD comments real quick since I brought that up, he was just stating the facts. It's tough to play alongside LeBron. As a super, as a role player, let alone a superstar player, you're going to sacrifice a lot. So I don't think he was taking shots at LeBron. He even prefaced by saying he's not taking a shot at LeBron. He's just stating the obvious. So... um Again, that story had a lot of traction, and to me it was a little to-do about nothing. But, you know, I saw somebody on Twitter say that, you know, if Toronto would be worried because it's just Kawhi and a bunch of role players, and he's looking for a different situation. And I'm thinking like, well, even if he goes to the Clippers, it's still a bunch of role players unless he can get a superstar to sign with him. But at this point, it looks like Butler's staying in Philly. Unless it really goes south between him and Ob and B, Kyrie has re- said over and over that he's staying in Boston. I don't see him going to the Clippers if he do leave. I think he might leave and go to New York. That's more feasible to me. So to me, he might as well stay Pat, pat in Toronto. I think Tobias Harris is great. He's having a great season. I think he's really good. He could possibly be a good second option. Um, but really outside of that, I mean. Harold is making a bid for six man a year, but really outside of that, I mean the team is a bunch of role players like Toronto, and I like Toronto's role players better, and they're younger. Outside of Danny Green, Serge Ibaka, and uh, C.J. Miles, you have Pascal Siakam, you got Ananobi, and you got uh, uh, Fred Van Vleek who's been playing well this season. So I don't know, still a lot of basketball to be played. We'll see how all this finishes, but to me. Kawhi, stay in Toronto. Great situation. Set up to win. Uh, we'll see how Kyle Lowry continues to age. Um, he's leading the league in assists right now. But if I was uh, Kawhi, I would stay in Toronto. Um, the rest of the teams in the East, Boston has played better of late. They're 7-3. and three. They're back in the playoff picture. I want to say they're hovering around 5 or 6 now, maybe even 4. Um, even though they had some guys out with some injuries, so for them – it might be less is more. But as I stated earlier, they have the issue of you have a lot of talent. And not only do you have a lot of talent, you got a lot of guys that think they're better than they are. And I'll give you an example. Marcus Morris had 31 last night. I like Marcus Morris. In his mind, he'd think he'd probably get 31 every night. But he's not that kind of player. Terry Rozier, score for his point guard. Love his energy. Love him off the bench. As I stated in another podcast, when he had to cover and fill in for Kyrie at a more extended period, when Kyrie was out in Utah due to a death in the family, he didn't know how to balance getting himself going like he normally does when he comes off the bench, and all he has to do is focus on scoring. He had to also have to run the team, and he struggles to do that. To me, he's one of those guys that just come in, give him the ball, let him get buckets. I'm not saying he's not a st- a starter in this league. I just think his skill set on certain teams, especially a really good team, is better served coming off the bench in a high-capacity offensive threat, a lot of energy. Marcus Smart, grit and grind, toughness. Sometimes he takes shots he shouldn't, but he feels like he needs to get minutes. And then uh, Horford has been solid, but he's kind of having an off year a little bit. Jalen Brown has really regressed back. Um, The Celtics don't seem too concerned. But his offense is nowhere near where he has been, and even his defense has slipped. Uh, Jackie McMullen, the sports writer, she said that when she talked to Brad Stevens, they feel like because he's taking on more responsibility, that's why his defense has slipped. Uh, he doesn't feel like it's anything to worry about. Tatum struggled because he was trying to channel his inner Kobe instead of just doing the things that made him successful last year, really picking him spots, being aggressive when needed, and getting all the way to the basket. The Celtics going to have to figure out if they want to beat Toronto. I don't I know they're not worried about Philly and they probably not worried about Milwaukee cuz they've beat Milwaukee in the playoffs even though they've already the matchup is one and one if I'm not mistaken. Um I know Milwaukee beat Boston in Boston I'm trying to remember if they played. I'm I'm blanking right now. No, Boston won uh in Toronto I believe early on. Yeah, I think they ended up winning that game. Um, That's when Kawhi was still getting his feet wet. But anyway, it's really to them, I think they're only really concerned about the Raptors and rightfully so. And to me, it's the same adage. (coughs) Excuse me. The offense has looked better, but I really feel like they still have to figure out how to get some continuously easy buckets. They still struggle to score. The defense has been really well, even though I just talked about Jalen Brown. Overall, the defense has been good. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this, wanna double check this. seven three in the last last ten. Uh Milwaukee, I talked about Giannis. The Bucks are six and four. They just had the big win again in Toronto. I still feel like they one piece away. And I wrote a nice piece on my blog, man, about now that they cleared all that cap space like I suggested, they should go ahead this offseason and push to to get Kimball Walker and pairing with Giannis. I love to see that for Milwaukee. Um, the Sixers, back-to-back wins against Detroit. They had the Embiid saga. I wrote a blog post on that. Um, basically, to me, I feel like when Embiid, it was frustration. I feel like it's immaturity. Um, he's having an MVP-type season. You're going to have to realize that uh, you brought in a, a player of Jimmy Butler's caliber, an all-star, an all-NBA player. It's quite natural your offense is going to take a couple steps back. That doesn't mean you can't be aggressive. If you feel like you're not getting the ball enough on the perimeter, get down on the block and demand the ball. Um, but I did look at the numbers. He's not shooting more threes. He's actually shooting the same amount of threes. So sometimes perception is everything, but he feels like he's too on the perimeter too much. And, again, if that's the case, you're the face of the franchise. Go to Coach Brown. Say, hey, I know what you're trying to do, but, hey, I need more touches in the block. And if you score – if you continue to work on your passing out of the double team, they're going to feed you, big big, big fella. Don't even worry about it, man. So uh, don't come out in the public. He kind of readdressed the comments, said it was just frustration with his play. If I was him, I would focus on making sure my body is fresh. Um, he's going to have to continue to develop better habits with his conditioning, his eating. You know, we laugh and joke about the cheeseburgers before the game. Hopefully he's not still doing that. That's no good. Shouldn't really be eating cheeseburgers anyway, but that's another story. Um, Simmons, the shooting is just going to continue to be a problem. Don't want to beat a dare horse there. You know, you got a bunch of people on Twitter, NBA Twitter, that thinks he should attempt one or two. He's not going to do it, fella. So they're going to have to realize how to stagger the minutes so it works for the best of their ability. Their best lineup is when they can get Redick on the court spreading the floor uh, with Butler or Embiid out there. Um, they struggle when all three of them are on the court. I mean, it makes sense. Butler, you have to honor his three-point shot, but he's not a three-point shooter, and Simmons can't shoot at all. So the spacing is going to be kind of tight. That's when, it, to me, if I was them, I would kind of play a little more old-school style of basketball and let him be kind of get a lot of touches, command double teams, maybe kick out to Butler and maybe Redick and whoever else is out there, and then let people like Chandler Muscala can spot up and even shoot. And Butler kind of looked to slash and get to the basket a little bit better. I think that will be better served for Philly. So, to me, it's really those four teams in the East. I think the East at the top is much better than the West this year. But the West, top to bottom, is a much better conference still. So, we're just going to have to see how this plays out. Um, I want to switch gears. It's that time again. I'm excited. Last episode, we we debuted this new segment, and I call it Speak On It. And remember, I'm going to pick an issue. It could be basketball. See how I'm feeling? It might even be social or social commentary, social issue. But this week it's going to be a basketball topic, and I saved it to the end. I got to talk about my city, Chicago, and their sports team, their NBA team, the Chicago Bulls. What a dumpster fire this is. What a disaster this is. And growing up in the era of watching Jordan, as crazy as it sounds, I never really was a Bulls fan. It's not my thing. I never was a fan, as I stated at the beginning of any team. I root for players. I can't understand how people get so wrapped up in the team like that, especially when you have so many organizations that are not well run. And the Bulls are an example of that. If we step back and use perspective and really look at the history of the Bulls franchise, they drafted Jordan. They drafted Pippen. They was able to acquire cool coach. They got Grant. Really, the only big-time signing was Dennis Rodman, free agency-wise. That's it. Jerry Krause was the long-term GM. He since passed away. He gets credited for a lot of metrics that we use now to, to evaluate players, like big hands, long arms, those were kind of his things, even though they weren't metrics back then. But Krause didn't even draft Jordan. That was Rod Thorne. So, to me, it's always kind of been a lucky franchise from that standpoint, not well run. Jerry Reinsdorf owns the Sox as well. He's always been a business uh, man when it comes to the Bulls. He prefers the Sox. This is a guy that didn't want to pay Phil Jackson, didn't want to pay Jordan. And they broke it up when they possibly could have squeezed out maybe one more championship. I'm not one of them people that just feel like it was a fun gone conclusion they'll win another one, but they definitely would have been coming off of their uh, third, their second three, Pete, they six and eight years, and possibly going for dynasty status by winning seven. And um, for him to not want to pay those guys is an example. And trust me, the NBA players talk, they know how badly run this organization has been for years. That's why they can't get the big signings. That's why they didn't get LeBron. They didn't get Wade in his prime and bossing them. They didn't even get Amari Stoudemire with the bad knees. They had to settle with Carlos Boozer. I mean, that's just the facts of it. And as long as that arena over there, the United Center is filled, it is the biggest uh, arena in the NBA capacity-wise. It seats almost 24,000 people. they've always at the top in attendance. I remember when Jordan left in the the late 90s. They were still tops in attendance. People were still going to watch those games. They had like Jalen Rose, Jay Williams before he got hurt, Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler, Jamal Crawford, those kind of years. You know, Ron Artest. And guys was going to see those teams, even the teams right away that was led by Tony Kukoc, that was coached by Bill Cartwright. So this has never been a well-run organization. So in the latest chapter, they got blown out by 56 points. The worst loss in franchise history. The new appointed coach, Coach Boylan, Coach Coach Fred Berg, Hoiberg was fired. Fred Hoiberg, I could bind his name. Um after to me, I don't know if he can coach in the league or not. They never gave him the right players for his system. It's already been documented. They signed Rondo. Wade, he wanted to get up and down the court and shoot a lot of threes. He didn't do himself any favors with the Joe Kim Noah situation. And the management kept backing him. So, to me, I don't know if Hoiberg can coach or not. So, for them to get rid of him, I mean, I guess they had to change up the message. But the real issue, again, is ownership management. So, now you got Boylan. He comes from the Spurs tree. And in Spurs fashion, in Popovich fashion, he benched the, the starters twice because they was playing like hot garbage, and then the starters, mainly led by Zach Levine and Drew Holiday—not, uh, I'm sorry, Drew, my bad. Justin Holiday, my apologies, Drew. You are definitely the better Holiday. Um, Goes and wants to have a meeting. They talking about boycotting practice because they was upset they got pulled off the court. You know what, man? In this era. I commend that we do things a little bit different, that we're not always constantly yelling at people. We're not constantly being negative. You know, we're fighting for different injustices. We're finally respecting women's rights. We're finally respecting mental health. But at the same time, there has to be some type of balance. And in a lot of things, I'm sorry, we're too soft. If you're not producing and playing well, he should have pulled them off the court. It was embarrassing. No effort. No defense. And for you to come to practice and be upset, I mean, who do y'all think you are? Zach Levine is overpaid. You won the dunk contest a couple times. I think you are an NBA starter, but you're not a franchise player. You're a nice piece. You don't play with IQ sometimes. You shoot long, contested tools late in the shot clock. Your defense is eh. At your best, Justin Holiday, you're a role player. So for them to go this, I mean, sometimes there has to be some self-awareness. The guy on that team should be featured more is marketing. who's coming back. He's the high draft pick. He's the one with the bright future. They should really be worried about that. But now they're talking about forming a leadership committee that's been port- reported by ESPN. I forget the writer uh, that will go on behalf of the players to speak to the coach. Hey, man. First of all, this roster is a poor roster. you got a bunch of guys who are not NBA players. Cameron Payne, not an NBA player. Felicio, not an NBA player. And then you got a bunch of solid role players. And I hate to say it, he's from my city. Um, I'm familiar with his family. Jabari has not delivered on that. And we can make excuses about the coaching staff and all that. I suggest you go over to YouTube and search out some of the videotape of the guys who broke down some of the videos of Jabari this season. He hasn't played well. He's already admitted that he's not really here to play defense. He's here to score the ball, and he hasn't done that well. He's taken a lot of bad shots early in the shot clock, contested tools, um, shots where he gets the ball, dribbles, then takes another hard shot. He's not moving the ball. So bottom line, this is not a really good team. So if I was them, you know, for them – it was reported that Zach Levine and them told Coach Boylan that, you know, this ain't the Spurs and you ain't Pop- Popovich. Again, who do you guys think you are? This guy's in there. It sounds like he's trying to change the culture. He's trying to make you better. And you need to look yourselves in the mirror. You came, went out there on the court and, and gave up 50 and got blown out by 56 points. So that's the additional speak on it. Had to address this Bulls situation. It's a chaotic situation. And, again, Bulls fans, I keep saying this, until they get rid of ownership, it's not gonna change the culture of the Bulls because all he's gonna do is hire general managers and front office people that he shouldn't hire. Gar Foreman and Paxton are terrible. They have a couple things, but overall to me, the culture there is terrible. If you think I'm lying, go look at some of the top teams and you'll see what they all have in common. Great ownership, great front office. Well, this will bring another episode of the Off The Glass podcast to the close. Make sure to follow me on your social media sites, Twitter at Zach at Off The Glass. Instagram, Zach The Off the Glass Podcast. The whole site for the podcast is Spreaker. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Continue to support Apple iTunes. Subscribe. Spotify. Subscribe. iHeartRadio. Radio. For those iHeartRadio Radio listeners, make sure to subscribe. This is your boy Z signing off.
0: Stay safe out there. Peace. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right too, with deals to help you save every day. Like four bags of premium mulch now for just ten dollars, and buy one one and a half cubic foot bag of Miracle Grow Vegetable and Herb Garden Soil, get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through five one while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select eleven point eight ounce pots. Valid in store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.